1: of the Roden Fellows, handpicked students from six historically black colleges and universities. They're young, they're smart, and they are living one of the most unique experiences in American higher education. I'm Bill Roden, and here are this week's Roden Fellows.
2: I'm Donovan Dooley from North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro, North Carolina.
3: I'm Mania Shabazz from Grambling State University in Grambling, Louisiana.
4: And I'm Kyla Wright from Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm coming to you from the ESPN studio in New York. And, you know, we've got a, an amazing, but, you know, a, a sort of a bittersweet show for you today. Two of the Roden Fellows, members of the inaugural class, are moving on to new things. Isaiah Smalls, who's not with us today, uh, Donovan and Mania uh, will stay with us over the summer. But Paul Holston is graduating in December from Howard University, Simone Benson graduated from Morgan State over the weekend, and we're so proud of them. They've just, just been stellar. Kyler Wright is going to be studying abroad in China. So, you know, I hate to see him go, but uh, that's the point of this fellowship, to send new sports journalists into the world. And we're going to give them all a chance to reflect on the program and uh, even some of the prospects for next year's class. Uh, but first, the great Stephen A. Smith, the formidable host of First Take and the native of Hollis, Queens, is going to join us to talk about the NBA playoffs. And then Paul, the Truth Pierce, is going to be on the show to talk about his work with Ben Gay's hashtag Soar Winners campaign and how life is going as a retired professional basketball player. But before we get to our, our guest, let's take a look at the news. E- each week, the fellows and I predict the stories that everybody's going to be talking about next week.
3: I definitely believe that we're definitely going to be talking about the NBA draft coming up on June 21st, figuring out the futures of Jaron Jackson, Muhammad Bamba, and many more.
2: Uh, Kind of to piggyback off Mania's point, I think we're going to be looking at why people are underrating Colin Sexton as the next breakout player in this year's NBA draft. I think Colin Sexton has the potential to be a Rookie of the Year candidate next year.
1: And Kyler Wright, what do you think we're going to be talking about next week?
4: Going off of my fellow Rodent Fellows, I definitely think that we will also be talking about the draft, but let's uh, add a spin to it and talk about how we have our HBCU draftees in the draft this year. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that we'll still be talking about LeBron James next week, particularly if they uh, get uh get bounced from the playoffs, which is really likely. I think that we'll still be obsessed with – What's going to happen to LeBron James? Is he going back to Cleveland? And if not, where is he going to land? That's what I think we'll be talking about. (laughs) Our next guest needs no introduction. Uh, Every weekday morning, you could catch Stephen A. Smith, Molly Caram, and Max Kellerman discussing and debating the hottest news and issues in sports. Uh, Stephen A. is also hosting a special NBA Finals edition of SportsCenter. Before joining ESPN, Stephen A. had a radio show on Sirius XM. He was a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, He had a great TV show called Quite Frankly. And in college, he played basketball for Winston-Salem State in North Carolina and the great Big House Games. This is uh, Stephen A.'s second time on the show, and we're thrilled to have him back. Uh, welcome to the show, Stephen. Eh?
5: Thank you for
6: having me. Happy to be here.
1: Glad you're here. Um, just just get some, let's, let's talk to the East, man. What, what's your, are, are you surprised by any of this? Are you surprised that Boston's up 2-0? And do you think Cleveland's coming back from this?
6: Well, I, I, I'm going to hold out hope that Cleveland's coming back because I want a competitive series. But I will tell you I'm kind of surprised about what I'm seeing because Cleveland has been god-awful in terms of mm. the level of production they've been getting from people outside of LeBron James. Um, and as a result, I think that uh, they're all affected by it. They just don't look impressive. There's mm-hmm. no other way to slice it. And somehow, some way, uh, they're going to have to get around that. They've got to figure it out. And um, they got to figure it out first on the defensive side of the ball. Because right now, it's just problematic for them. LeBron James has no help offensively, but defensively, he's part of the problem because he's not hustling back on defense. He's spending too much time arguing with the referees hmm. over missed calls, so that's problematic. But he can get it together. He's the best in the world, and we understand that he probably will. Outside of that, um, it's one of those situations where Kevin Love's got to be more productive because Al Horford is out playing him. And then not only that, I'm in a cab, so I apologize if y'all That's hear okay. the noise I'm hearing. Get out of the cab. But, um, you know, also, it's just, uh, Boston's young. They're athletic. They've got a bunch of thoroughbreds on there. Um, we all know that. And what they bring to the table in that regard is very formidable. And collectively, they're simply a better team than the Cleveland Cavaliers. They play better defense. Uh, they play together. They trust one another. Uh, they don't lose sight of who they are. Mm. And all of those things work well for them. So Cleveland has a hell of a task in front of itself. Because they don't look impressive right now and they're getting thoroughly out for it. Steven, now you
2: mentioned a little bit about Boston there. Um, do you think, what? how much credit do you give to Boston's players for what they've been able to do to Cleveland and throughout this whole playoff run? Or do, do you ascribe a lot of the
6: credit mainly to Brad Stevens? How would you give you that up? Well, you can't, you can't give players to the credit without giving it to Brad Stevens because he's the one that puts them in a position to do what they're doing. Um, they trust one another, they spread the floor, they share the basketball, they're the second-leading uh, uh, sh- three-point shooting team in the NBA throughout this season. And the absence of Kyrie Irving along with uh, Gordon Hayward uh, Gordon Hayward at the beginning of the season, I was right there for that gruesome injury. And then Kyrie Irving later on in the year, there's just no denying that uh, Brad Stevens is an exceptional coach and these players believe in him. I mean, after a win over Philly in Game 3, Al Horford went on the floor and called Brad Stevens a genius. Hmm. Uh, You just don't hear professional athletes speaking in that fashion about their coach very often. Hmm. But that's what you're hearing about Brad Stevens. There's a reason for that.
1: Hmm.
4: Hey, Stephen A., this is Kyla from Hampton. So uh, switching gears a little bit, what do you think that LeBron has to do to leapfrog Jordan in greatness or if there is anything he can do?
6: There's nothing he can do in my mind. It's just an opinion. But it's mine, and I'll never change it. Uh, LeBron won <laughs> five NBA finals. Never.
1: Well, let, me ask, never let, let me, let me ask. You what this. He does. Let me let me ask you this, Stephen A. Now, none of the great legendary players to whom he's been compared—you know, Jordan. Let's just throw Magic in there. No one, no none of the all-time great legend have taken three teams to a to to a championship. What would happen in your mind? In your mind, if LeBron, you know, he's already done it in Miami came back to Cleveland, what would happen? We'll ask you this a little later. If he leaves, goes to a place like L.A. or anywhere, L.A., Philly, and he leads that franchise to a third championship. No, Jordan didn't do it. Kareem didn't no. do it. You know, what, what, would that leapfrog him in your mind?
6: See, here's the thing. This is what makes me laugh about the great Bill Roden, who I've looked up to for many, many years. <laughs> here we That's go. That's a loaded question. It's a loaded why
0: question. Is lo- why is it loaded?
6: You feel the I'm I'm getting ready to answer. Let me answer the question.
0: Okay. Because
6: Uh, obviously you feel differently. My opinion will not change. It will never change. And here's why. I'm taking everything into consideration just as much as I'm giving you credit for your three championship victories I'm giving you blame for your five championship losses to some degree. Mm. I'm remembering what you did against the Dallas Mavericks when you, when you scored, when you disappeared in the fourth quarters of four consecutive NBA Finals games I'm remembering what you did against San Antonio in that game six before Ray Allen saved the day I'm remembering what happened to you in the playoffs against Boston, I'm remembering the maturation process that you had to go through in order to get to where you are, whereas that wasn't something that Jordan ever had to worry about because he came into the league with an assassin's mentality. He mm. just didn't have help. I'm also looking at six NBA Finals, six NBA Finals MVP, never lost in NBA Finals, combined with the fact that not a single, single series in the Finals went seven games against Michael Jordan. I have, and I don't think it's disrespectful to LeBron Jordan to consider him the number two player on the Mount Rushmore of basketball all time. Hmm. Just because I'm not saying he's number one doesn't mean I'm disrespecting him, which is why I literally had a graphic added on first take where every time I'm talking about LeBron and I have to be remotely critical, I put up – He's a great dad. He's a great husband. <laughs> right, he's, right. A great right. he's a great businessman. He's he's philanthropic. He's all of these other things because we've got these LeBron lovers out here that literally think that because he passes gas, it must be perfume, <laughs> that everything that he does is right on the money. I don't subscribe to that. He's one of the greatest who has ever lived. He's better than Magic Johnson. He's better than Larry Bird. He's better than everything. The only debate, about LeBron James is whether or not he's number two or number three on the list because we have to consider Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who's a 19-time All-Star, a six-time champion, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and the lone individual in the history of the sport with an unstoppable move which was the sky hook. Yeah. That's the only debate whether he's number two or three all-time. But he ain't getting a nod over Michael Jordan in my mind because what he had to mature into, Michael Jordan naturally was coming into the league. That is the position that I have taken many years ago. I will never, ever change that stance. For um, the Golden State and Houston series, you saw
2: it kind of in game one how Houston, well, that's kind of how they played the whole year. They're very isolation heavy. Um, but a little bit in game two, you kind of saw a little a little bit more ball movement from them. When, you know, when James Harden broke down the defense, it was able to create like more swings and more action for their offense. And how do you think they will attack Golden State's defense moving forward, and what kind of adjustments do you think Golden State will make um, to try to combat? I think they'll
6: try Houston's to do the same thing. I think they'll try to do the same thing. It's just that I don't think it'll be as effective. I think that the way they move the basketball and spread the floor – in Game Two, I don't think that they can do that over a sustained series uh, on a sustained level, rather against the Golden State Warriors in this series. If they did that, they'll beat the Golden State Warriors. I just don't think they'll be able to do that consistently. I think somehow, some way, we'll see them playing here on isolation ball with Chris Ball one minute, James Harden the next. I think that that's their default position. That's what they're going to do, and I think that it's going. To, I think that it's going. It's going to work against them at some point they'll win a couple of more games. It wouldn't surprise me at all if this series goes seven games, and if it's going to go seven, I'm going to look at them possibly differently, but right now i got the Warriors winning in six, because I think that they'll be able to neutralize that.
1: Mm. Uh, we talked about Brad Stevens, but you've played with uh, you know, for a great coach, and you've seen in your career a lot of great coaches. Is it you know, we talk about Steve, is it the coach or is the player, what makes a great coach? Because you know, you hear it in our business a lot, people throw it away. Oh, that was a great coaching move, and and to what extent, do you know, is it, is it the coach or is it the player or is it sort of like a marriage of the two?
6: It's a marriage, number one. Number two, to me, my definition of a great coach is one who's incredibly competent and capable, knows what they're doing um, from a cerebral perspective as it pertains to the game. And number two, can somehow transfer that knowledge and that faith in the player. That's what it comes down to. If you're Brad Stevens, it, it's great that you know what you're doing, but getting the players to buy in and going out there and execute your game plan is what defines whether or not you're a great coach or not. Same thing with Greg Popovich or anybody else. If the players don't buy in and they're or they're incapable of executing what you you know, you know what you diagram for them then it doesn't matter. You're not going to look like a great coach because coaching is like teaching. At the end of the day, if you're a teacher, but you're handing out Fs all the time, at some point in time, it's a reflection on you because you can't get people to comprehend, understand, and ultimately execute your game plan on the test. Hmm. same principle applies to coaching. You have to be able to teach and ultimately lead towards efficient execution about what you have taught. That's what it comes down to. If you can't do that, then you can't be called great because mm-hmm. your knowledge isn't transcendent. It doesn't transfer to other people. And that's the job of a coach, of a teacher, not just to know, but to be able to transfer that knowledge in a way that it can be executed by others.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, um, one, one, one more for me. I know the, the, the fellows are kind of saying I'm hogging the show. By the way, it's my show. <laughs> um, people may not realize you had a great show. A really, I mean, the show you're doing is great. But you had a show a number of years ago called Quite Frankly, which I thought was phenomenal. Not just not just because I was on it, um, but my question is, I was on the show once and you did a, a piece about. Uh, with me in the book, when the book first came out, 40 million dollar slaves. And I'm just wondering, in your mind, over the last 10 years, what do you think has been the major change in terms of, you know, black athletes, let's say in the NBA? Uh, do you see, do you see them, they've become more empowered, less empowered, uh, more concerned, less concerned? Has LeBron emerged? What do you see?
6: It's a tricky, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky question because See, the thing about it is the advent of social media has changed the game. Mm -hmm. It appears as if the athletes are more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, that is correct. But some of them, as a result, are far more irresponsible because they're so willing to be emotional and express themselves over every little thing, one minute, that they expose themselves unnecessarily. And on another minute, they want to be all about controlling and promoting their brand Mm. as opposed to being real and authentic. Mm. So it vacillates back and forth. There's no consistent theme per se because both happen, but ultimately it doesn't lend itself towards the level of authenticity that we would prefer. They speak in moments. They speak about things that they may be passionate about, and one minute they come across authentic and another minute they come across as incredibly choreographed mm. because you think it's advantageous for them to take a position that everyone will gravitate towards in an affirmative way towards them. And so you, that leads to questions about their agenda, their motivation, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result. It's really hard to decipher what's real, what isn't, what's authentic, what isn't, uh, what's productive, what is not, et cetera, et cetera, And that sort of convolutes things, and it eradicates principles and morals and ethics along the way. So it's problematic. It has its advantages, but it also has its problems.
1: Hey, uh, I, our guest has been the great Stephen A. Smith, just somebody who I respect dearly, uh, hard worker, knows his stuff, doesn't make it up. Uh, hey, Stephen, thank you so much, man. Thank you for being a great mentor uh, yes. to these students. As they, they will not forget it. But thank you so much, man. My pleasure.
6: I appreciate it, guys. I'm sorry I got to run, but good luck to y'all in your future endeavors and keep grinding. And just remember, you know what? Nothing nothing, nothing worth having is going to come easily to you. Hmm. Put in that work.
0: That's right.
6: And appreciate enjoy the journey it. along the way. Hey,
1: All right? Steven, thank you so much, thank man. You. Thank
6: you. Take care, y'all.
1: All right. Bye-bye. Uh, A few years ago, uh, John Skipper, the former president of ESPN, uh, asked me uh, what I wanted my my legacy to be. Uh, Scholarships and buildings are great, but I wanted to develop something that was interactive and allowed me to work with young African-American students from historically black colleges and universities. The Roden Fellows Program is what we came up with, and I couldn't be prouder. Uh, we, we don't just report the news But we look at the sports industry And discuss power dynamics And jobs that aren't always presented Or populated by black folks uh, So now I, I'd like to hear uh, From the fellows About their experiences in the program and, and later get your take on Some prospects from Morgan State uh, Kyla, what, why don't you start off About your your experiences in the
4: program This has been an enriching year and a half with ESPN with the Roden Fellows we have all if I can speak for everyone we have definitely grown as journalists grown as people and expanded our overall not only my network but my net worth I feel like and I know that I am a stronger writer I'm a stronger reporter I've gained skills that I wouldn't have gained without this program as far as producing and being on podcasts and video recording and you know these are fundamentals that we learn in school but we have to use the experience in the real world and we have to go out into the field and actually report and I think that this was definitely a phenomenal foundation for me to have started and for this to have been my first internship it was definitely a a great start for me to go out into the world and see what I'm going to do next and in my last year of study at Hampton University and expanding my brand and just doing more into the journalism world and also as you're doing Mr. Roden, pulling up others with you as well I definitely aspire to do the same thing and I have been doing that ever since joining the Roden Fellows Program so it's definitely been enriching it's been educational and overall the success of the program in the first year has been phenomenal
1: well, Kyle I, I, I'm going to miss you we're all going to miss you
4: I'm going to miss you guys too <laughs> thank you
1: Thank you so much. All
2: right, after university, doing big <laughs> things as usual. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Hey, hey Mania, uh, what about you? Um, fortunately, we're going to still have you this summer. But some of your experiences, just about your growth, uh, maybe your most challenging story, most satisfying.
3: I've had a great time here um, at the Rhodes Fellows Program. We've done things that I never would have imagined, even going to like the NFL Draft, the Big Twelve, just. Things that have really just enriched my skills as a journalist and in the field of communications, it really broadened my horizon as well as uh, let me see other paths. I would say one of my most challenging stories, I did a um, story on like natural and athletes. And, you know, I kind of interviewed a lot of people just to see who I wanted to get to and then probably cutting down the story and just, um, you know, not being able to get like big names like I wanted. And then kind of like scaling back and really looking like, well, well, what is the message that I'm trying to get across here? And I think that that was some things that were challenging in all my stories, really narrowing down because I tend to write a lot. And then, you know, John, he would tell me, you know, this is a lot. You need to cut it down. So just I kind of learned to, you know, be my own editor. But, you know, I had a great time in the Rodan Fellows program and I've learned so much that's going to help me in my career moving forward.
1: Uh Hey, hey Donovan, what about you?
2: Yeah, so for me, you know, I think it's really interesting because I think this program has, you know, helped me grow in a number of ways, not only in my professional career as as an aspiring sports journalist, but as a person as well. Um, A lot of things that, no, a lot of the challenges I was able to face, you know, in this program have helped prepare me to not only be like a better professional boss or a better man as well. Um, I kind of joke, I kind of joke all the time that you know, me and Beni are actually talking about it. Uh, when we were down in Dallas for the NFL draft, we were kind of talking like, were you supposed to go to your respective HBCU just to become a road fellow? And I thought it was an interesting uh, question because, you know, I feel like God has a plan for everyone and God has different paths for everybody. And, you know, for him to, for you guys to you know, specifically pick us six out, you know, to start this inaugural program was a real blessing. And it's really helped me uh, moving forward. And so I just want to, just want to thank, you know, former president John Skipper. I want to thank you, Mr. Roden. I want to thank Aaron, everybody at the Undefeated, everybody any ESPN any that allowed us to have this opportunity to, you know, help become prominent sports journalists and be, you know, young workers out here in the field and get to see what actually goes on on a daily basis out in the real world, you know. <laughs> so it's been a great experience. And some of the most challenging stories would definitely have been the Doug Williams piece that I produced for the undefeated back in July, I remember I was out in nowhere, New Jersey, trying to <laughs> chase down trying to chase, chase down Doug Williams, and you know just getting him to sit down with him and being able to talk about HBCUs and the progression of HBCUs, you know, throughout the years was one of my most fun and also most challenging stories. And so, like just experiences like that, like Mia said as well, going to the NFL Draft, going to the Big Twelve Tournament. Uh, going to the Celebration Bowl and being able to cover those things and be, you know, immersed in that culture and immersed in that environment and be able to do something that you love to do was an amazing experience. that I won't be able to, you know, that I won't be able to
1: forget. Well, again, um, you know, Donovan is going to be with us uh, this summer as well. Donovan uh, Mania and Isaiah Small is going to be with us, so um, it's, it, that, that kind of softens the blow. But, uh, each of you were just extraordinary. I, I I couldn't be more proud of, uh, of having each of you getting a chance to get to know you. Uh, remember some of the drives we took, you know, uh, in the car from one place to another. Some of the conversations we had, uh, some of which had nothing to do with really sports, but just life and that kind of stuff. And, and your perspective was just outstanding. And I know the second class of fellows, uh, have some huge, Uh, shoes to fill. Speaking of which, um, Aaron Mathewson, who's the uh, coordinator of the Roden Fellows, and I uh, were down at Morgan State uh, last week to meet some prospects for next year's class of Roden Fellows, and I had the pleasure to speaking with um, three uh, young men who you're about to hear, uh, Tyreek Sims, Isaiah George, and Rodney Mitchell. We we did a little, uh, our own little mini uh, HBCU 468 podcast and uh, I just I want to play a, a short clip and I'm wondering what what the fellows think uh, let me know if you think they've got any promise uh, hello everybody uh, of course this is Bill Roden this is the hbcu four sixty eight podcast and I'm coming to you Baltimore, Morgan State University, and I'm here with um, three very distinguished potential candidates to my right. got Tariq Sims. Tariq, what's happening? Hi, hey, how you doing? Uh, we got Isaiah Joseph.
0: Uh, it's Isaiah George, but I'm oh, happy woman. to be here. Well,
1: uh, that is a bad omen. <laughs> seriously, we're seriously considering you. Uh, oh, Isaiah George. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, okay. Isaiah George. <laughs> and then, uh, Donovan Mitchell all the way to the very end.
7: I wish that's my cousin, Rodney Mitchell. Don- <laughs> Wait a minute. We got this awesome screwed. May- maybe I should be interviewing me. I finished second in the rookie of the year, so that's yeah, all right. Yeah. So, so, hey, so, it's Rodney,
1: Rodney Mitchell. I should know, man, as much as you've been emailing us and stuff. So, anyway, so, so we've got Tariq, Isaiah, and Rodney. We've had great interviews with everybody. But, uh, listen, when this, when this, heirs, we'll kind of get a sense of who's going to be in the finals. So I have two questions. A, who do you guys think are going to be in the NBA finals? And B, let's talk, let's go back to the King James. Does LeBron escape, and where does he land?
7: Well, a lot of people right now, are they're zeroing in and not giving LeBron James any chance, right? They're down 2-0. Um, but I want you to remind people of the series. Here's your point. name, because I know uh, what you're about to say. My name's, people... my name's Rodney Mitchell. My <laughs> name's Rodney I Mitchell. I said this.
1: I know what you about yes, to say. Yes. My name's
7: Rodney Mitchell. So <laughs> I, I want people to hold fast on, um, ruling out LeBron James. Um, you have to understand something it's basketball. Um, give Brad Stevens credit. You know, they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. However, I don't foresee Jalen Brown and, and Jason, uh, Jason Tatum playing, you know, incredibly well again, consistently, uh, in Believe Land. So I'm going to say LeBron James wants the next two at home. And then from there, uh, you know, they go on a run. They ride the momentum. JR Smith finally, uh, produces Kyle Corver, Jeff Green. Wow. And Cleveland Cavaliers get back wow. to the finals verse. The Golden State Warriors, Isaiah said it earlier, it's gonna be a rematch. Listen, the, the, uh, okay. Houston Rockets inability uh, consistently play okay. offense. Last night was a, okay, right, you know, we good,
1: got you. Yeah. We got you. Somebody give him a thermometer. Okay. <laughs> All
0: right. Um, my name is Isaiah George, uh, but what I th- believe was gonna happen, uh, I think it's gonna be the Celtics and the Rockets, actually. The what? Yes, and I'll i explain that faster, hopefully faster. I, I, I was just um, about to dismiss. He just wants to see change. No, no, I mean, I mean <laughs> that that now one yes, that is a part of it because um, I think that helps the NBA if that does happen. So you think um, it's rigged? No, 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 I'm just saying, though. Uh, I think with the Celtics and the that's Rockets. Another, that's another episode. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, I think with the Rockets and the uh, Celtics. You the career over before it begins. <laughs> I think that helps the NBA because the shock value that that would right. give, seeing the top teams uh, for the, what, the past three, four years. So wait, in l- each,
1: l- 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 h- l- let me ask you something. So you think that Houston is going to go out to Golden State
0: and they're going to beat them at Twice? the oracle. At, at the Oracle. you think is that what you are saying? I am saying Call that if one. you look at if you look at the games that the Rockets have played against the uh, the Warriors this year. What I have seen from them is an intensity that I haven't seen in the last couple of years. When it's been, just been James Harden being the, the guy in charge, but would you is saw is that the
1: same James Harden who quit last year? Yes, the last game. The same is that the same, is you, that the same James? Harden? That is okay. not the same James okay. Harden. Right. I will tell you well, why. he having has Chris double Hall, digit. Having okay. having, Chris has
0: Hall, double digit having Chris Paul double digit assists. Having Chris Paul on the team. Of journalism.
1: See, this is the future. Hold on. One guy <laughs> thinks that one thing guy thinks that 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 Boston that somehow LeBron is going miraculously. Yes. Be Boston. Another guy he tops that and thinks that that somehow Houston is going to go out to the Bay and win two
0: games. No. They will Unreal. because having Chris Paul on that team. Who? Chris Paul, CP three. Yeah, you know right. his name. He, he, he having Chris story. Paul, having his tri- having okay. Chris Paul on that team has obviously not only changed James Harden. Not only I did. I did. Not only not only has changed James Harden's has changed James Harden intensity though that he plays Mm -hmm. with the game, but it's changed his mindset also. Having a guy that can score alongside you but that can facilitate at the same time. That team is not a sixty five win team without Chris Paul this year. That point blank period. And when 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 you see that when you see that they are Mm -hmm. actually distributing the ball between James Harden and Chris Paul that that team can work. What you saw in Game One was the James Harden from last year, okay, my and that brother. won't work.
1: Okay, my brother. Tyree, um,
0: Now let's, let's let's see what let's see what you're going to say.
1: I, I'm not rolling with Isaiah. Toronto's coming back. Is that what? I'm not rolling. I'm not rolling with
7: Isaiah. I absolutely think the uh, Golden State Warriors are going to go back to the finals, but they will win it in Game Seven. I think James Harden is uh, too much of a ball hog. Uh, wow.
6: You haven't like, seen any I think, in this game. This
7: what, day, right? what was it? What was it? Game one when he had like forty points and like five and they, assists? And they lost. And, and five I point, assists. I pointed that out. When he
0: had I pointed that out. When he, when he has, when he has double
7: like the basketball. When he has double digit assists, that's when I think the Rockets are going to be their game plan Okay. I mean, so so, who's, who's 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 be? so when he's, he's when he's, he's like. dishing God, out
0: the ball Come on, who's that, it gonna be? I think it's I think it's gonna be
1: the um
7: the Warriors and, and the, uh, Celtics. Okay.
1: Wow. Now, last question. Yeah, boy, I don't know what the fellows think. He's got and LeBron be... is leaving Cleveland. Oh yeah, that's a okay. That, that, question. That's, I saw, that's a I saw, saw question. that. I saw that yeah, last question. LeBron is leaving. Le, Le, LeBron. First of all, who who says LeBron is leaving Cleveland? I say, say he's leaving. Everybody, Cleveland. Yeah, he's everybody. Everybody agree? I don't
0: yes. Agree. You don't, uh, don't know, there is no there is no way you drop forty two points in a triple double. Oh, no, I got you, I got you. There's no way wow, you drop 42
1: shit. points in a triple-double hey, the lose. Aaron, right? The fellas never did
0: this, right? These guys are, like, fighting over listen, the microphone. Listen, I'm, I'm I have just, just going to give my point and I'm going to let Rodney speak. Sir, there I is no way. There is no way you carry your team through one round where you had to basically average 40 points at... Year fifteen, where he shouldn't have to do that, where he have he should have better help, and then you drop forty two points in a triple double on the Celtics, and you lose. You okay. go two. You go down two zero to a team that is thirty seven and zero when they go two up in a two zero in a series. Yeah, there is no way he stays. Everybody's riding that thirty seven
7: and zero statistic. Let me yes. tell you that New England Patriots were undefeated last year, wearing white jerseys, and lost in the Super Bowl. Right. So don't underestimate right. the great
1: LeBron James and. Okay, we're going to leave it there because these, this is unbelievable. You guys are like don't even they're even fighting and grabbing the mic from each other. Um, I hope the Roden fellows present can hear this. Uh, you know, tell me what you think of the discussion. Uh, I think personally, a couple of delusional. If you think, if you, if you, if, you, if you think that Houston's coming back and uh, now, coming back me, is one one what. It's one one. The series was tied up. It may as well have been like 0 ten. You they're uh, not anyway. Winning. Listen. They're hey, not winning, hey huh? listen, guys. Uh, uh, Tariq, Isaiah, Rodney. Thank you guys very much. You've been very spirited, uh, if, if delusional, but thank you so much. You guys are great. I like the fighting. You know, the, 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 the I've never seen that. I've never seen like the fighting over the mics and pushing each other. And <laughs> hey, you guys are great. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck. <laughs> Uh, Donovan, uh let, let's start with you, uh, and then hear from Ania and Kyle. What, what did you think?
2: I mean, I thought they were okay. You know, I think they're gonna have to, you know, step up their game a little bit if they wanna work with the legendary Bill Roden, you know, the Kareem of sports journalism. You know, if you put him in a room with me and Isaiah, you know, you already know who win that matchup, Mr. Roden. But I'm a, <laughs> I'm gonna let you decide that one. But all in all I thought they were really good. I thought they were had thought they had a lot of promise. I thought they were very energetic. And, you know, it's very exciting to see, you know, how much interest is really like starting to pick up with the program and how many people are really interested in being and in being involved with it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see to know that you were um, a part of the first initial class. And so I'm happy to see that, you know, people are gravitating towards it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mania and uh, Kyla, what, what did you think? Do they do they do they have any promise based on what you heard?
3: I definitely think that they do. Um it was just so awesome seeing how much passion they had, especially Rodney Mitchell. Um I really thought that he would uh be a great candidate just of how much he knew and you know how much he was willing to argue his point down. I think we saw elements of uh Donovan and Isaiah there. Um I really think that all of these uh prospects definitely have a promise and you know I can't wait to see you guys choose.
4: My take on the road and fellow prospects are that, you know, everyone is more than capable. We all came in and we necessarily didn't know everything and we're leaving out and we still don't know everything. But in listening to, you know, the soundbite that we just heard, I really like Tyreek. I appreciate the fact that he know what he was standing for. He knew what he was talking about, you know, and that's what we need in the road and fellow rodent fellows program we need you to stand by your opinion whatever you're doing know what you're talking about and you know keep it moving we don't need anyone who's you know going to be on the fence or you know doesn't know what they're talking about and also people if you don't necessarily know what you're talking about make sure you step up and you're willing to learn and you're willing to ask questions because that's you know that's how I was for the most part when I came into the rodent fellows program so if you're coming into the rodent fellows program that would definitely be one of my biggest pieces of advice is to you know it's okay to not know everything but know some have the foundation and don't be
1: afraid to ask questions. Spoken like a wise Hamptonian. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk with 19-year NBA veteran and one of the spokesmen for Ben Gay's hashtag Soar Winners campaign. That's none other than Paul the Truth Pierce. Stay tuned. <laughs>
6: You talking
5: down on us, we live it up. You talking down on us, we live it
6: up. I'm talking way up, way up. I'm talking way up, way up. I'm talking way up, way up. I'm talking way up.
4: You talking down on us, we live it up. You talking down on us, we live it up.
2: I'm talking way up, way up. I'm talking way up, way up. I'm talking way
6: up, way up. I'm talking.
1: Basketball fans know the great Paul Pierce as a small forward that helped the Celtics clinch the, uh, the 2008 NBA championship. Ten years later, Paul now offers uh, game analysis from time to time. And I, I must say, he, he's actually doing a great job uh, as, as in his role as an analyst. He also does uh, community work and is promoting Ben Gay's Sore Winners campaign with Baron Davis. Uh, this campaign celebrates people who strive to bring their A-game to the gym. Uh, the game and at work with their families Paul and Barron are on tour and they're calling attention to the campaign by giving interviews and posting on social media. Uh Most recently uh Paul and Barron surprised two recreational basketball teams at Morehouse College uh, in Atlanta. Uh, they coached them and pushed them to play their hardest. Uh, the idea was that Ben Gay would help them through any pain they might encounter uh, Hey Paul, uh, welcome to the show
5: Hey, how's it going?
1: It's going well, man. I love being gay, by the way. <laughs> As you get older, you have an appreciation for it. <laughs> hey, 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 Paul, could you just tell us about the campaign and just how you got involved with it?
5: Well, I just thought uh, the partnership with being gay and the sore Winners campaign, it, you know, it was a, a great fit for me because for much of my career, soreness and winning was, was an everyday thing, was a part hmm. of life. Mm. You know, so it was just you know, something I had to push you, you know, that's, you know, by playing 19 years in the league, even before then, as a as a youth coming up, it's always been a part of my life. So I just thought it was a great push partnership, and I understand what it's like to push your body to the point but of the sort to reach your goals. And so, uh, you know, being gay it helps relieve the pain uh, so I can get back at it tomorrow because you know, as you know, having a long career, you have to, you have to bounce back quickly. And it's helped me, you know, throughout my career.
3: How difficult has it been making the transition from court to studio? Do you see the game differently?
5: Um, no, I actually, uh, you know, I see it better. It's been a great transition, you know, because uh, I was satisfied with my playing career. I mean, I played 19 years and I and I chose to walk away on my terms. Mm. You know, not a lot of people <clears throat> can say that. You know, some players, they don't get the call, and, you know, you still have a, a hunger and a desire to play. And, uh, you know, the thing about now being an analyst in basketball, I mean, it's, it's just another thing I've pretty much been doing my whole life. You know, talking the game, have a great understanding of the game, and just to be able to... Uh, Express that on a national level is great because uh, I still love the game and I still like to be around it. I just don't play it anymore.
1: <laughs> hey, Paul, what's what's it like to um, to have been a coach? You know, you you did the thing in Morehouse, which, by the way, Morehouse is one of the um, you know. This is all part of a fellowship, the Roden Fellows, and we're all from HBCUs and Morehouse is one of our schools. But what's it like um, I don't know, coaching? But is, does any of that ever creep in your mind that, you know, maybe you'd like to do that, maybe you'd like to stick your toe into coaching, or uh, do you prefer this life?
5: Mm-hmm. Well, I like, right now, I haven't really given much thought to the coaching game, although, you know, I've I've coached a couple celebrity games, and, of course, uh, the game in Morehouse, uh, But and my kids. So I I really don't have a a desire right now to coach on any college or NBA level right now. I I like, you know, just right where I'm at, transitioning, talking about the game, being an analyst for the game of basketball. I'm also, uh, you know, I'm an ambassador for USA Basketball, Mm. and I travel to China every summer Mm. uh, as part of USA Basketball and do clinics of that nature. So, you know, it's a... the transition is good but i have no interest in the coaching right now i can't some of these young guys you know they i can't i can't relate to them you know they just come down <laughs> shoot threes all the time I'm a, I'm a, i like to get the ball inside so <laughs> Uh-oh. probably wouldn't have the right coaching philosophy for this uh day and age
4: oh this is this is kyla so um as we talk about coaching well first of all china that's amazing i'll be in china next month actually studying abroad with my school so that's really cool how you're in china i'll be in china too but since we're on the topic of coaching what do you think makes a great coach and in addition what do you think really makes a team is it the coach or is it the players as well or a combination
5: Uh, it's a a combination because uh, the players you know are motivated by your coach you know, most great coaches, you know, the players take on their personality. And uh, you have to be able to inspire your your team each and every day. You have to continue. I mean, it's a, such a long season and a long playoff. And, uh, you know, when you see each other every day and every practice and you have just dialogue back and forth, you know, you can pretty much – get tired of a coach so you know a great coach keeps you know relationships with his players open and keeps a good relationship and players can go talk to the coach without um without any question you know most great coaches have open doors policy whenever there's a problem you can go into his office and you know he can tell you your role what he thinks you know everybody can't play all the minutes so you know <laughs> i think those little things like that being able to talk to your players, motivate them uh makes a great coach. Hey Paul, this is Donovan from uh A and T.
2: Um, I kinda wanted to ask you a little bit about kind of the transition from, you know, playing to now being an analyst. Do you ever find yourself being, you know, too critical of players considering that you were one? <laughs>
5: uh maybe <laughs> sometimes. But uh you know, that's part of the job now. You you know, you tell them when they're when you think they should be stepping up. And, uh, you know, you give, them, you give them praise when they do good. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's all part of the job that I enjoy. And it's something I did, you know, every day. We would sit back in the locker room before practice, after practice talk about different players in the league and uh, different teams and, you know, what you think of that, what you think of this. And now I get a chance to express that on a national level. Uh, it, it's right up my alley because I love the game. I love talking about it. So it's interesting that you mentioned
2: that. I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, kind of like you you have obviously a Hall of Fame career and obviously what you're doing, you know, broadcast analysis after that. Did you
5: imagine, at, you know, as a young uh,
2: that you would have this type of career that you would have had?
5: Um, I, I think you you have a dream, and I didn't know what I wanted to do after basketball. Uh, but as far as basketball-wise, you know, you have a dream and you work hard and you put yourself in a position Uh, For success by, you know, how hard you work. And, uh, you know, as far as the analyst thing, I did not know this was going to be something I was going to do after basketball. But within my last couple of years of playing, I worked as an analyst for the NBA Finals, and that was while still playing. And then, like, once I retired, you know, I liked doing it so much that I was like, you know, that will be a good thing to do after basketball, and, uh, you know, it just made the transition easier because I kind of put my foot inside of it uh, early on before I even retired, and so once I retired, I stepped right in. Mm
1: Hey, Paul, we just had uh, a couple more questions. These are kind of, three of these have nothing at all to do with basketball, Uh, and one of them is, is, Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite board game? Uh, you play by that I mean I like to play chess, but do you have a do you have like a favorite yeah. board game?
5: <laughs> I mean, I do play chess. I play chess every day, also. So uh, every day,
1: or, or that sounds like a challenge, Paul.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I play online. I just you know you have like twenty five people you play at one time. Mm-hmm. So I, I play a lot of chess, but with my kids we play. Uh, we have two board games. We currently play. We play Monopoly, which is a classic. Yep. And we play, I just taught, we're just, I'm teaching them how to play the game Clue oh, yeah. right now. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I grew up on board games. I love them. You know, I've always been a fan of those things. Uh, life, Sorry, Monopoly. Yeah. Uh, when you got three kids age 10, seven, and six, <laughs> you got plenty board games.
1: They're not enough games. <laughs>
4: Hey, Paul, this is Kyla again. So I know a lot of athletes, you know, are really big on music and, like, listening to music when you're, like, warming up and, you know, things of that nature. So what would be the theme song of your life?
5: Oh, man, that was throwing the theme song of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack. That's a good one.
5: I, I got to think about that one. <laughs> That's not where you can just put that Paul, <laughs> <one. laughs> well,
3: why- While you think about that, um, I was wondering what has been the best thing about your retirement and the most difficult?
5: The best thing is to just able to, you know, choose when I wanted to walk away from the game. Uh, Because I said before, you know, I've been around players that uh, had to retire due to injury or retire due to not getting that call again. And so I was able to step away at my own terms and uh, just to transition into to be around the game as an analyst, you know, it's just something that, I, that I'm i happy that I'm able to do. The most difficult thing I, I probably would say is, uh, you know, when I watch these playoffs and I, and I get excited and I'm seeing how well the Celtics uh, are doing, and it's like you wish you could just – Go back to the future and be young again and be out mm. there playing. But unfortunately, mm. you know I can't, <laughs> and so I look at it like, man, I wish you know. You look out there and you watch the games. We watch so much basketball. You like, I wish I could be out there, <laughs> but you know my time is past, and uh, you know I enjoy my time in the league. But that's the, that's difficult, you know. Sometimes watching when you want to be out there.
1: You you entered the league in ninety eight nineteen ninety eight, and I'm just curious yes. in the in in, in the next twenty something years what's been the and when you came into the nba the league was you know still predominantly black players what's been the major mm-hmm. change in the last 20 years with that this group of players the league is still predominantly black do you think the players have been more empowered to speak their minds uh less empowered to speak mm-hmm. their minds
5: since i came in the league and how social media has changed the world mm-hmm. uh, you know it's given all the players a platform, not just the super, not just the superstars. Before, you know, pretty much the superstars had a voice. Now, it gives everybody a platform to, you know, speak their opinion, uh, showcase, you know their their personalities through the way they dress, you know, through social giving social attention to, you know, the things uh, in the black neighborhoods. Uh, with uh, the police shootings and making everyone aware uh, of what's going on. You know, I think that's great. You know, I think uh, they inspire change. And, and I love that about this generation and because of the social media uh, boom that uh, everybody just has a voice and they speak. It. You know, LeBron James is one of the, the biggest uh, <clears throat> uh personalities and sports figures we have in the world and you know when he comes to the platform on social issues and he's not afraid to voice his opinion i, I love that and uh you know uh, you know you didn't have guys like magic johnson or michael jordan doing those type of things and now you have more superstars coming to the forefront and uh, i think it's good to see
1: mm-hmm. hey paul one last thing what's it been like to work with ben gay and and it's not really a throwaway question because you know as you leave the game you know your, your relationship with sponsors, uh, you know, can help you achieve a lot of things. So, what's it been like to work with Bengay?
5: Uh, I mean, I think it's been great. You know, like I said, it's always Bengay has always been a part of my life, uh, everyday life, plan for so many years, uh, pushing through the tough times, through the aches and pains, man. And uh, you know, even today, you know, I still get up and and, and work out, uh, not at the same intensity, but You know, I I have a routine to where I still get in the gym and do things, and it's still very much a part of my life. And we know that as you get older, things don't go away as fast. uh, (laughs) That's why it's been a great partnership and a great remedy, you know, for me even at this age. Yeah.
1: Our guest has been the great Paul Pierce headed to the Hall of Fame. We all know him as a great Celtic, um, and now he's a great commentator. He's working with – Ben Gay, in a program called Soar Winners. Uh, by the way, I, I, I'd be remiss by that. Is, is LeBron, if, if they lose the series, is LeBron, in your mind, uh, coming back to Cleveland, or is he out of there?
5: Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, <clears throat> important on what moves Cleveland can make this summer. But right now, you know, LeBron's legacy, It's on the line each and every year because every year you hear about the comparison of being the greatest with Michael Jordan and you know how do you get in the same breath with Michael Jordan as doing you know multiple championships which he's already done but when Jordan's won six and he's won three to be considered the greatest he wants to you know add a few more championships to his resume so I think he'll look at the best opportunity uh, that presents that to him and I'm not sure if it's going to be in Cleveland. But uh, I do know that teams like Houston next year, if they have an opportunity to get him, that gives him a great shot. A team like Philadelphia gives him a great shot. You know, I, I really can't see him going to Boston. <laughs> 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 so, right. so, you know, I think those are the two primary teams that give him the best shot right away off the top of my head next year, if he were move on from uh, Cleveland.
1: If he wins a third, if he takes a third franchise to an NBA title, nobody's done that. Kareem didn't do it. Jordan hasn't done it. Magic didn't do it. If he does that, would that leapfrog him over over Jordan to take three different franchises to an NBA mm-hmm. title?
5: I'm not sure if it'll leapfrog him because uh, when you look at the way he does it, I mean, of course, taking three franchises to a title and winning is amazing but you know jordan did his from within you know lebron left to cleveland to join here came i mean left to miami to join a super team then came back to another super team in cleveland then you know kind of bouncing around and so you know that's always going to be discussed on how he did it if he does it uh, he's always going to be in a debate until his career's over, but I think ultimately he'll be defined up there with Jordan if he wins maybe one or two more titles.
1: Hey, Paul, thank you so much, man. Uh, you, you've been tremendous as a player, great as a host, and good luck with uh, Ben Gay. Mm. That, that's all we have time for today. Uh, if, if there's anything you'd like us to cover, or if you just want to leave us a comment, tweet us at the Undefeated hashtag RodenFellows, or you could also contact us directly. I'm at W.C. Roden.
4: I am Kyla Wright, and my Twitter is at DreamAlways with three underscores at the end.
3: I can be reached at underscore Mania Shabazz.
4: You can find
2: me at Donna Dooley.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows podcast. The show is produced by the great Aaron Mathewson. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and Kyrie Williams. Uh, get all the HBCU 468 podcast as well as the plug, The Right Time with Bemani Jones, and Morning Roast by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. And before we leave, Kyla, Donovan, Mania, Isaiah, though you're not there, Paul, and Simone Benson, thank you guys so, so much. Um, I learned more from you and got more from you than you guys could ever imagine. But thank you so much for making this first class of Rodent Fellows uh, not only special and historic, but just really special and memorable. You always have a special place in my heart. So thank you so much and have a great week. Thank you.